Well, it's it's in the eye of the beholder, really. But uh, the idea was Terry Denton, the my long suffering, long term illustrator, and I have worked together for fifteen years. And we used to just do the books quite separate. I would write the stories, and he would decorate the margins like crazy. But sometimes we would get together on those margins, and we just had a ball. It was like being back in school, being the naughty boys down the back of the classroom. And I said, let's do a book where we just combine our talents. You know, fifty fifty. And uh, that's how the bad book was born. So we were just trying to do the opposite of what any sensible person would do in any situation, what any uh, nice person would would think is appropriate. We took it on ourselves to... um, to upend uh, the world, to make everything good, bad. And aimed at kiddies, but have you, we've discovered fairly recently from our afternoon's listeners, you probably could write one for adults as well and, and have it go down like a storm. Well, the very bad book has been getting a lot of adults telling me they're just <laughs> lo- loving it because, I mean, really when we, we do write and obviously kids love it, but um, we're just writing what we think is, is funny. We're just, we're just trying to get the most absurd situations and pictures and verses that we can. This book contains nothing. I'm just reading the the front cover of it. Uh, But very bad stories, bad drawings, bad poems, bad cartoons, bad riddles, bad characters doing very bad things. Now, what did the government minister complain about? Uh, And now this is another book of yours. This is probably your your, your best known (laughs) one. And um, what has prompted a flurry of um, botty coughs from our listeners, The Day My Bum Went Psycho. What was the problem? Uh, it was the cover. We, uh, we featured a, a large baby's bottom blown up to as if it was a you know, 50-foot monster attacking a city. And it was really just a baby's bottom and, the, and a small city in front of it and you could assume it was going to step on that city. Um, but they uh, they decided that was a bit offensive. It might offend certain sections of the community uh, and we couldn't put it on a poster that was advertising literacy back in 2001, I think we're talking about. Um, and And I objected to that because I said, well, look, maybe some sections are offended by it, but they don't have to pick up the book. And just because they've got a little problem with a with a ridiculous image uh, doesn't mean we should then deny everybody uh, the right to access this book, to enjoy the book. And uh, certainly I'd identified a very large group of kids who had, were disaffected um, readers. So they hadn't found anything that really competed with the movies that they loved, with the comics that they loved. Um, and I said, I think we need to bring these kids in and we're not going to do it by making nice stories with nice morals and messages. Um, because, and I knew that because as a 10-year-old, I didn't like those stories. I would always reach for the inappropriate or the... Or the be looking through the, yes, the, yeah. the appropriate ones and, for the inappropriate bits. And in fact, your discussion has just reminded me we used to delight in primary school looking up the shorter Oxford English Dictionary. We would look up the definition of a fart and it was, uh, Actually, we got a we got a it? we got a text. It was saying a fart is German for wind and was a Victorian euphemism. So I don't uh, know what what was the dictionary the, the definition. Dictionary definition: a small explosion between the legs. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's some. It must have been someone with a sense of humour writing that dictionary. And and as a kid, you you just go, oh, that's great, you know. 
and so you... I think I remember reading that definition as well. I don't yeah. know a child who has not gone through the dictionary looking for rude words, rude words. or naughty yeah. words or, yeah. or something like that. And so, and I mean, and you, you can... can't argue, can you, that kids will read your books? You can use that, that uh, promise of the taboo uh, very effectively to get them to read and, uh, and enjoy books and, and become involved in a very exciting, you know, vivid kind of way. And so that's all I've ever set out to do. But interestingly, when I wrote The Day My Bum Went Psycho, we had a draft, and I say we, my wife is my editor and long, long-serving long uh, co I thought you were going to say suffering. but <laughs> She had to suffer through the bum book. She was a little squeamish on those. Yeah. Um, uh, she said, I don't see how you're going to get a whole novel out of a bum that runs away. And I said, I think we can. Uh but we took out all the words that you would have expected in that book. The word fart actually only appears once and it's on the very, very last page because we found when we implied a fart, uh, it was far more satisfying for the reader to put two and two together and, and produce the word picture for themselves and it was funnier. Um, so I, I would say something like when one bum talks, it's pretty smelly, but when a whole group of bums are yelling at you, you've got to block your nose. <laughs> and so you, as a reader, you kind of go, oh, yeah, I get it, because they'd be talking through farting, and and that little surprise then triggers the laugh. So so the books are actually quite squeamish in, in a way. And do you think it's it, part of it is a, a fashion, the, a, a way we are with our kids? And I'm casting my mind back to Tom and Jerry and to Grimm's Fairy Tales mm-hmm. where we used to stick, you know, wicked stepmothers in, in barrels and hammer nails into it and roll them down the hill and mm-hmm. horses' heads on village gates. And yep. Do you think that um, we, we've got a bit prissy with our children? I think uh, there was a danger probably about 10, 15 well, years ago. Well, apart from yourself, of course. Well, I <laughs> Could think never a be number accused of, of that. authors all discovered at the same time, we've got to get back to the basics of storytelling. Uh, and I'm, I would use Harry Potter in that, um, Captain Underpants, um, a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket. Uh, they all deal with the dark and the taboo and the scary, and as um, Grimm's fairy tales do. And that's because you need to air these fears, and, and that's what a story is. It's a place where you go to experience maybe the fears that you can't quite put a name on or... Um, something that that bothers you. Uh, Or in some cases, it's a joyful exploration of anarchy. And uh, let's let's see what happens when we open the door and let that cat in the hat in the house. And uh, wham, he's he's destroyed the house and we've got to get it back before mum gets home. So I think they're they're very uh, important cathartic experiences for us. And, and you can't make – your hero can only be as good as your enemy is evil. So um, so it's not wrong to have evil things. And on the corollary too, I think what people sometimes get worried about is if kids read about this stuff, they will go out and do it, um, which I think is, a, is an oversimplistic way to view how children can engage with fantasy and, of course, humour. Um, they know when you're playing and saying outrageous things. They they don't. They know you don't really mean it. And they love to say outrageous things. So we're talking on afternoons. If you've just joined us, to Andy Griffiths, children's author, and uh, his new book, the very bad book. I mean, children just like naughty stuff. Yeah, the fastest way to get someone to tell to read a book is to say, oh, I don't actually want you to read this book. It's a little bit too bad." And they'll immediately go, "What? What? What? Which bit? Show me!" And, <laughs> and then you've got them. So we're playing with that idea. Um, 
there's a, there's a and there's a lovely character in the very bad book. He's my favourite, uh, the little boy who always asks his mum permission to do something outrageous. You know, mummy in the first book, can I run across this very busy six lane highway with my eyes shut? And the bad mummy always says. Oh, okay, but be I'll careful. ask your father. Uh, in this one, uh, can I jump into that erupting volcano? Oh, I don't know. That's a bit dangerous. You better ask your father. And the bad father says, oh, well, I don't see how one little jump into an erupting volcano could hurt. Um, and so the boy gets permission to do this outrageous thing. So how, how bad do you get when you're thinking about these ideas? Do you just give free reign? Free reign. Yeah, uh, to everything. If you can think of it, a, a kitty has th- thought of it. Yeah, and then we'll uh, uh, we'll test them out. I mean, some of the edgier ones in this, uh, I remembered from primary school, the mummy mummy jokes. Do, do you remember those? Uh, oh, uh, yes, and I was reading some of those at the end of the book. I won't be able to find them now. Um, oh, I can, I can tell you. You, you go. Mummy, 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 can I lick the bowl? No, shut up and flush it like everybody else. <laughs> um <laughs> Mummy, mummy, my head hurts. Shut up and get a, get move away from the dartboard. Oh, yeah, and mummy, mummy, are you sure this is how you make gingerbread, man? Shut up and get back in the oven. <laughs> Isn't she a great character? She is. Um, and see, so they were from my childhood playground, and, uh, and I've discovered in the first book there was a silly joke, um, a non-joke. Uh, why did the boy fall off his bike? Because his mother threw a fridge at him. Uh, and I was amazed by the response this got from from our modern generation. They love that joke. They love the why did the koala fall out of the tree because it was dead. Um, and they love that non-humour. Yeah. And I think it's a particular thing that happens around, I don't know, between 7 to 11. You love playing with language and it's, it's a way that you learn is by turning concepts, um, uh, words and and conventional behaviour on its head um, and I think that is how we begin to show mastery of our language. Do you Look, find boys different than girls or are they equally like bad stuff? I reckon it's equal. I, my male is 50% divided between boys and girls and I, I think, again, it's an overgeneralisation to say, well, well, girls tend to prefer kittens, puppies and ponies style stories and boys want the gross. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's... It's even. Uh, boys tend to love my books uh, because they're a bit more fussy in what they'll read. They, they don't like to be caught dead with a book which has kittens, puppies or ponies or a girl on the cover because that might make them seem a little less you know, manly in front of their friends. But I can get them by promising them this is, this is not you know, soft stuff. This is uh, very bad. Oh, yes. Uh, or just annoying or it's just stupid. And, and so that's, that gives you permission as a boy to, uh, to read a book. Which uh, is great, which has got to be great. It's wonderful for, for and the Yeah, I think it's, it's a real pity in, um, in the culture in general that we associate books and reading as a passive activity, that really more a feminine style activity, and that real men should be out kicking a ball or chainsawing down a tree or... You know, and I think a true definition of masculinity can encompass both. Um, and I just met uh, Kevin Sheedy recently, a Richmond... Essendon. Essendon coach, so I'm showing my lack Sheeds. of knowledge here. But he's a great passionate advocate of books and, yeah. and thinking and uh, that that you can have both. So I love the way that you sit there and talk so earnestly, Andy, with a stuffed, weird-looking koala <laughs> sitting next to you and... Oh. Um, 
I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if you have webcam if you can see this, but it's a it's a stuffed koala. It's got bug eyes that are all sort of bloodshot, a safety pin through its head. It's a very bad looking koala. He's actually a killer koala from outer space, um, which happened because I was in America and I was testing out some of these Australian style non jokes on the kids to see if they would laugh, and they were. They were finding very funny. But one kid, I told the koala joke, and one kid said, "Are koalas dangerous?" And I realised they didn't know and, you know, how kind of Look cute. Look at the gleam in your eye. How cute and cuddly koala and boring koalas really are. So I said, look, they're largely harmless, but there <laughs> are a particular sort called killer koalas that uh, they look like regular koalas, but when you're cuddling them, you suddenly realise you've got a killer and it gets its claws out and rips your face off. <laughs> and, uh, and I said it without laughing, without, um, without smiling. And uh, he said, really? Is, is that true? And I said, yeah, yeah, a lot of my friends don't have faces because um, uh, they've, they've been ripped off by killer koalas. Just, well, I'd if I had a safety dangling. pin through my head, I'd be a killer koala as well. Well, the safety pin is a really bit of silliness on my part. I just, I just, you know, <laughs> it's a punk my, my punk days come through. Uh, Jenny has uh, SMSed and says, my non-reading grandson now devours books due to you, Andy Griffiths. Thank you. Thanks for that, Jenny. And uh, Tony said, um, can you please ask Andy about kittens, puppies and ponies? I laughed till I cried. <laughs> and um, another one, I bought my grandson um, um, one of the bum books. He took it to school and his teacher didn't like the title, but my grandfather and grandson couldn't see his point. <laughs> I get a few stories like that. And, and I, uh, yeah, the kid, uh, young kids bring the book to school proudly produce it at show and tell and the teacher says oh we don't like those sort of we don't have those sort of books in this school could you put it in your bag and not bring it out and take it home <sighs> that's rotten i think it's it's awful because it's it's um not respecting the child um it's you know that child's got something they really really love and that adult all they have to do even if they don't personally like it is say i'm glad you love that book so much you know isn't reading fun. I guess if there's a bit of a kind of read it behind the toilet shed, though, about it, you know, that kids might might sort of add to its kudos, its street uh, cred. Yeah, look, I'm I'm torn. I'm kind of proud about that because uh, the writer I loved the most was Enid Blyton. Um, You know, I just devoured her books nonstop for four or five years, I think, at that age. Um, And I couldn't get them through the public library in Victoria, where I live, um, because the public librarians have decided she was not a good role model, not good, not proper books. Um, So my mum joined a private library around the corner and you paid 20 cents per book to get them out. They had the complete works of Enid Blyton. Oh, I loved her as well. Yeah. She's just amazing. She knew how to tell a story. She she didn't muck around with long descriptions. She got the kids uh, away from the adults within the first chapter um, into the seat of the wishing chair, which grew legs and uh, grew wings, and took them to some crazy land. Um, what an imagination! It was just brilliant. And and, uh, and look, and you too, Andy. It's just fantastic to talk to you, and it just must be such a, a, a joy for you to get you know hear things like that about you know non-reading kids that it's really lovely. suddenly just yeah. devour books because of your work. It doesn't matter which door you come in through. You know, after you've devoured my books for a few years, you're going to start going. I wonder what else there is out there that, that and then you discover. The whole yeah. world of literature and it never ends. It's addictive. Mm. Fantastic to talk to you, Andy. Thanks for coming Thank in. Thank you.